God's going to show us something about the oil of his blessing on our life. Oil is just simply used in the scripture for anointing. How many know that's to be true? That it talks about the anointing oil of God. We have the anointing oil of joy, David said. There's a lot of things like that that are symbolic. But I want to talk to you for a little while out of Matthew 4, or Matthew 5, verse 14 and 16 today. We're going to go there together. If you have your Bibles, you can turn. If not, it'll be on the screen. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. It says, Ye are the light of the world. How many know Jesus was the light of the world? John tells us that. Here it flips the script and says, You are the light of the world. With God living inside of you, you become the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Notice that it affects everybody. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify you. Your good works are going to glorify you or who? Your Father, which is in heaven. Amen. How many want to live a life that glorifies God? I do. Lord, we ask you just to bless your word today. I know it's already anointed, so we pray it goes forth. I know you don't force feed anybody. So I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, that there's a hunger in the house to hear your word today. May it be a part of us. Go with us this week and speak to us in every area of our life. And we ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. major theme that I want to just kind of focus on. I have three points. They're not not a long sermon today, but I want to talk to you for a few minutes about light the night. We are in the Advent season. Most people know that there is a massive move from traditional religion into, some would say, open religion, or some would even say non-denominationalism. Others would say um, there's a large movement of people into what they call as nuns, some of the Pew research and things that have come out are saying that there is a large category of individuals, Generation X and Y, that are not identifying as anything. They're not identifying as Lutheran or Catholic or any one of those major traditions, but they're just identifying as nuns. And I do feel that that's understandable, that there is a movement away and a de deconstruction of religion in ways, but I also know that these kind of surveys and this kind of information only calculates things that are within the four walls of the church. They only know how to calculate attendance to church, not whether we are the church. How many know we're not a building, amen? We're not brick and mortar, but the church is the people of God, the ecclesia, the called out ones. We are the church. So therefore, we know that you cannot calculate this with a mathematical equation. You cannot say that a certain amount of people are flowing this way or that way. There's trends. But I, I would tell you that there's also a trend upward where people are wanting to see the light of God in their life, where they're recognizing that the world is getting darker, amen? How many know that the world is getting darker? 
that we feel it when we walk through our day-to-day life, when you watch the news and sometimes have to turn off the news, amen? But when you go through your daily life, you feel the night approaching. And I want you to know that it's not just about having uh, numbers and knowing what's happening in our world, but the, the scripture specifically tells us that we can be a light in a dark world. How many know that light can really affect darkness? It doesn't matter how big you are. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how amazing you are. Light does affect darkness. They're going to turn off all the lights because I want to give a little illustration here. I don't know if you know, but a guy by the name of Tom Bodette. Anybody know Tom Bodette? Uh, How many remember Tom Bodette? Okay, yeah. One of the most amazing marketing campaigns that was ever launched with Motel 6 was a mistake. Did you know that? He was finishing up the, the end of his speech, what, the things that he was supposed to say for radio and TV, and he forgot his lines. And he said, well, I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. And they loved it so much that they made it their national campaign. That light is so important that when you light light, it's warm and it's inviting. I have to actually not trim the lamp here. I trimmed the lamp earlier because I was creating a lot of a smoke. Let's see if this illustration will work for us. There we go. All right. Can you shut off all the lights? Now, this is how they used to live. How many know that's a bummer? <laughs> how would you like to live like that? Just have that as the only light in your house and you had to circle around it, read around it, work around it. And then at night you had to trim it and you had to manage the light. I only have three points, but I want to tell you that there's something about light that's inviting. It's supposed to be inviting. It's supposed to be welcoming. It's supposed to be warm. And that's the one thing that we find out when we're starting to look at light in Scripture is God begins new things with new light. He represents, light represents revelation and a new understanding. Certainly the use of light is powerful and symbolic, but also a representation of how God moves and works. So my first point is every significant event in scripture is led by light or new light. If you look, as they turn the lights up for just a minute, if you look at Scripture in Genesis 1, you can find that creation began with light. In the very beginning, God said, let there be what? Let there be light. And there was light. This marks the beginning of creation, separating light from darkness. And when you got recreated in Christ Jesus, guess what happened to you? You were brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. Creation has a pattern, and recreation for fallen man also has a pattern. You must be born again of water and of spirit. That message is not condemning. That message is supposed to be inviting. It's a light of truth for every generation, amen? And it was lit long ago. It's not just lit in your generation, not just lit in our life, but we're carrying the torch of generation after generation of believer that knows that God is the light of the world and we are to represent him in this dark day. Amen, somebody. 
And so the focus is not on how dark it's getting. The focus is on who is going to be the light in a dark world. Darkness is only present when light does not do its job. Darkness is only there when there is the absence of light. Everyone knows this. Science tells us that. But the burning of light and the creation of light was the beginning. And God uses that to often turn us and move us in directions he wants to go. He'll give us revelation. He'll give us light in a situation. He'll give us information to make better decisions. He'll bring a light somewhere in our life. There is a spiritual example to this, and there is a physical example to this, just as there is to oil. Oil is spiritually representing the Holy Spirit, but oil could also represent in your life anything that keeps things moving. If you drive a car when you're young and you know nothing about cars and you don't put any oil in it and it burns oil, guess what? Sooner or later that car is going to stop and it's going to make some pretty terrible noises. And when your dad opens the hood and says, well, did you have any oil in it? Did you put any oil in it? If there is a situation where you have this like that, someone's going to check the oil and make sure that it still had oil in it or is running on oil. So we understand that oil can mean anything that keeps something moving in your life, but it also means the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. The burning bush in Exodus 3, when Moses encountered the burning bush on Mount Horeb, the bush was on fire but not consumed. The presence of God was represented by that light in that burning bush, and it gave Moses his commission for his life. There is something that leads us and guides us. The pillar of fire at night in Exodus 13, during the Israelites' exodus out of Egypt, God led them by a pillar of fire by night. That pillar of fire symbolized God's guidance and presence. I have good news for you today. You don't just have to live life making micro, micro decisions or macro decisions or maybe taking one step and see how it turns out, take another step, or be, try to gather as much information to make a good decision as we should. But there is something in Scripture that says that God will lead and guide us into all truth, that the Holy Ghost is literally a guidance. It's a, it's a way to keep us, and we have a comfort in the Holy Ghost knowing that when we submit our life to God, he is the light of our life. Amen? He can be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, and I'm thankful for that. The Ten Commandments, of course, in Exodus 19, God delivered the Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai. The mountain was covered with smoke, and everyone say fire, representing the divine presence of Almighty God. So we have to know that the church is not designed to live in smoke. We were deliv delivered and designed to live in the fire of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That the Holy Spirit needs to be at work in our life and in the church. The transfiguration in Matthew 17, Jesus' transfiguration on the mountain involved his face shining like the sun and his clothes becoming as white as light. This event revealed his divine nature, that he was God in flesh to Peter, James, and to John. They saw Jesus as light. Amen. Star of Bethlehem shows up this time of year in nature. In all kinds of nativity scenes, the magi are taking their trip. The wise men still seek him. You hear all of that. Bright star guided the magi to the place where Jesus' birthplace took place. And then we understand the timeline is a little different than the manger scene. We know that they showed up later, but 
They came and they worshipped him and they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This star is often associated with light of Christ coming to the world, that there was a phenomenon. We don't know what it was, but we know that they followed it to find him. And if you follow the light of God's word, if you follow the revelation of Jesus Christ, if you follow the walking in the word of God, you will find the God who saves you, delivers you, and recovers you from anything in your life. Did you know that to be true? Anybody have a witness of that, that he is the light in our life? He said, I am the light of the world in John 8, 12. He didn't pull any punches. He said, I am the light of the world. Nevertheless, sir, whosoever will follow me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There is something found in science where you understand that life is found in light. They used to use it to decontaminate spaces. They would take out you know, the laundry and put it on the lines and the sun would do its decontamination work and make things fresh with the wind. But we understand that light is becoming more and more scientifically found to bring life. And so we have to understand that God starts beautiful things when he gives revelation in his word. The revelation of Jesus in Revelation 1 in the book of Revelation, John describes him seeing him as the glorified Jesus on high whose face shines like the sun. And when we get to glory someday, there will be no sun. The Bible says for God will light the new heaven and the new earth. He will be the light that fills all in all. That vision signifies the ultimate triumph of light over darkness because there will be no darkness where we're headed, brothers and sisters. So every single step, we should be going from revelation to revelation, from, from understanding to new understanding that Jesus is the light and he always wins because the light always conquers darkness. Amen, somebody? Are you glad you serve a Jesus who always wins? He always wins. And number two, light brings hope. We want to begin to start our series that's going to run through December, and that is kind of this Advent time of year where Advent just basically means preparing your heart for the coming of Jesus. And I know we're closer than ever before to the coming of Jesus, so I felt it very appropriate as I was praying to lead us through this month as preparing our hearts for the coming of Jesus and so the illustration goes like this. It's, it's a light where when it's dark, the light is brighter. But the darker the night, the brighter the light. That's the understanding that we have to get is, is that there's going to be a drawing to God in churches that still have the light. And the point is not just manage the lamp. The point is not just trim the wick. The point is do you have oil in the lamp? That is the point. It's not just manage the facility, not just manage how you look and how you dress and how you act. Those are all great things because we are vessels of the light. But the, the question that is the $60 million question is, are you managing the oil that's in your life? Are you managing the things that bring the light into your life? The point is this in the illustration, when it gets so dark out, a little light can make a big difference. And brothers and sisters, the church was never meant to be uninviting. Amen? The church was never meant to be 
a, a place where, it, where there's no light but just for a few. Everyone is welcome to, to be full of God's spirit and to, to live a life of illumination and to change other people by living their life out in front of them and to, to walk through their day after day, not just trying to trudge through the darkness and find a path, but literally holding up a torch and saying, we know our God lives. We know light brings life and we're going to walk into our, our day-to-day life and our businesses and our, our transfers of all kinds of different interactions and we're going to say there is something greater than just slugging through life on everyday schedules. He is the star who is our savior and we can be the ones who walk with his light in our life. I know I'm getting excited because I get excited about the word of God. Matthew 2, 6 through 12 is where we understand that there was a star over our Savior. The story of the star of Bethlehem appears only in the book of Matthew. The gospel tells us of that bright star appeared in the eastern sky when Jesus was born famously, of course. We know that all those sometimes called kings, magi, now adorn nativity scenes. We know about all of that. But when the light comes, our response should be what Isaiah 60 and 1 says. Rise and shine, for the Lord has come. That we're supposed to have a spirit when we put two feet on the floor in the morning. That, hey, God gave me breath today. He woke me up in the morning. There's new mercies. I feel like preaching right now. There's new mercies in my life. And I'm going to get up. I'm going to rise and shine and give God the glory. The glory of the Lord is risen upon us. Amen. So it says, in thou, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, art now thou the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor. That's speaking of the governance that's going to be on the shoulders of Jesus. That he's going to be a governor, a counselor, a mighty God, the everlasting father. All those things are going to rest on that body of Jesus Christ, that perfect lamb, the son of God. And thou shalt rule my people, Israel. And then it goes on to say, then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. He wanted to know a timeline, but he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. How many know his motives were not good? He, he did not want to come and worship him. He wanted to take him out because he didn't want another king in the land. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they had saw in the east went before them till they came and stood over where the young child was. I'm thankful that the Lord has given direction through his word. I'm thankful that when I get up in the morning, I know there's a light of hope still in this world. Our light has come. We celebrate that the light has come. Amen. And if you know that, it puts a hunger inside of you. A friend of mine likes to hunt dogs, pheasant hunt, turkey hunt, all kinds of hunting. And he just got a new dog, and he was training this dog, and took him to a trainer, and the trainer got him ready, and they were going to go on their hunt. And they went on the first few hunts, and the dog did real good, very natural hunter, very compartmentalized. When it got into the hunt, it was, it was, it was on the hunt. The dog was very good hunter. But one of the, like, third or fourth time he took the dog out, it happened to be in the afternoon, a little bit later, getting towards sundown, and he decided, well, I'll just, I'll feed the dog. I'll feed the dog before I go, and then that way we take care of it, and because we're going to be hunting over the dinner hour. And so he feeds the dog. They get out. The dog goes, lays down underneath the, the, <laughs> the SUV, 
And he's like, hey, uh, we're, we're on a hunt. And the dog's just, <laughs> just laying there having a good old time, not interested in doing anything other than just having a nap. And so he calls the trainer. He says, my dog's broke. He says, something happened. It was hunting real good, first couple of hunts. Now it won't hunt at all. And he said, well, tell me what's going on. Well, he's sitting underneath the side-by-side -side right now. He's not going anywhere. He won't hunt. I got the gun out. He should be just absolutely beside himself, excited. And uh, the, the, the hunter said, okay, well, uh, did you feed the dog? He's like, yeah, I fed him. We're going to hunt over dinner out. He goes, that's the problem. Dog's not hungry. He said, you never hunt a dog that's not hungry because they don't want anything. They're satisfied. They're satiated. And so whenever you understand that Jesus is our light and he's the one that guides us in life, it creates a hunger in our soul for something more of him. And if we are satiated and if we're full on the things of this world, we will never have a hunger for new light and new revelation in him. We have to have a hunger for this word, brothers and sisters. We have to want to know more of him. You only get as much as you're hungry. And so the, the truth of the matter is that whenever you're hunting for something, you need to come hungry for God. You just simply do. You have to want what's in the word of God. And I've actually been privileged to go and preach some places where they are so overwhelmingly hungry for the word of God, it, it just lights a fire in the room. There is energy and electricity and the power of the Holy Ghost is in the building because they're so hungry for the word of God. And I have preached the same sermon in other places. I preached, I preached a sermon down in Milwaukee at an inner city church, and I had a lady doing a helicopter right here. She was praising, and I had another lady running the aisle over there, and they were excited about what was being preached. They were so on fire for God. I preached that same message in another church, and you could hear a pin drop. And I was like, Lord, what is going on? Why, why, why isn't why is this not a good word for everybody? And the Lord revealed to me they just weren't hungry. They just simply weren't hungry. We got to a point where they're satisfied with where they are. Their bank account's full. Insurance is all set up. No tragedy can befall them. They're, they're okay with just a Sunday morning, decent sermon, go out to lunch. But there are some people that want more light in their life. And they come into the house of God. And they got their finger stuck in their Bible and say, look, I want to show you some word that I saw this week. Let me, let me take you to Isaiah where it says, why don't we arise and shine? and let the glory of the Lord be in the place. Why don't we let God mend our hearts and make us ready for his coming? The light is so very important in our life because it creates a hunger. We must have a hunger. And then number three, my third point. You guys doing okay? All right. The light must be managed by the Holy Ghost. Light must be managed. We know that Samuel was called whenever the lamp went out in the house of God in the Old Testament. That literally there is a call to manage the light, but the light is managed by the oil that is in the lamp. Matthew 25, I was reading through this week trying to prepare for this sermon, and the Lord I thought would take me to the beginning of Matthew and start talking about Jesus' birth. Instead, I ended up in Matthew 25. I said, Lord, this doesn't seem to fit, but this is what God wanted me to talk about. The parable of the ten virgins shows up 
in this particular passage, and that we understand that it's that it's our job to shine for the Lord, but it's also important that we know that there is fuel in the lamp. And so if you look at the scripture, it says, then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto, this is a parable, so he's likened unto the kingdom of heaven, ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. This was a common occurrence in their day where they would have people coming out and they would bring their lamp, just like this one. They would, they would trim their lamp back in the, in the evening time and they would burn less oil so that when the bridegroom came, the bridegroom would go away and he would prepare a place. And then when he came back, they needed oil in their lamp to go out and meet the bridegroom and they would turn their lamp up and then they would go out into the night and it would provide light for them. But there's a difference between foolish and wise made in the scripture. It says, and five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. I want you to notice that it talks about ten virgins that were ready to go meet the bridegroom. They had the lamp. They had all the trappings. They had all of the religious um, accoutrements, if you could say. They had everything they needed to meet the bridegroom. How many know the church is the bride and Jesus is the bridegroom? We can have everything we need in here. We can have music. We can have amplification. We can have wonderful screens and all this wonderful stuff, and we love it all. Absolutely. Get a haze machine going. I don't even care because it's not about the lamp as much as it's about the fire that's in the people of God. Do you have oil in your lamp? Are you still burning for Jesus? Do you desire him? Are you shining for him? And what makes the difference between foolish and wise was nothing more than extra oil. Literally, it was extra oil. It was preparedness. It was making themselves understand that what's in the lamp is going to eventually burn out. The fire that you have has to have fuel with it. And the fuel is the Holy Ghost. And are you putting or preparing yourself? with extra oil. That is, the, that is the question that I'm asking everyone that I know. Not how great is your church, not how great is your prayer life, not how great is everything that you're doing for your morning devotions, but when you get into your morning devotion, do you feel oil? Do you feel anointing? Do you feel God showing up, being there with you? Is it, is it about the oil or is it just about looking good? Is it about the oil or is it just about being a place where the fire could be used? Is it about the oil or is it about the lamp? Brothers and sisters, it's not just about looking good. It's about knowing that God is moving in us. When I was in high school playing basketball, the coach would always say, hey, do what you do best where you're placed and work on where you want to go. In other words, be the star where you are, a star in the role that you have, and work for the role that you want. Anybody ever heard that? He would say, hey, if you want to play more, if you want to do more, then you're going to have to work on those things outside of normal practice. You're going to have to put in extra time, extra effort. You're going to have to prepare for what you want next. That's what's important. And the answer to the dark night is not to curse the night, but to spend more time in God's word or spend more time seeking God and making him known to others. Sometimes when we're teaching Bible study and being friends to others, God will shine through us and it will encourage us just as much as we're trying to encourage others. Sometimes it's better to give than to receive, amen? So the answer to the dark night is not to curse the night, 
but to shine your light. We are burning bright, I pray, through everything we do to seek God. But in all of that, I wonder if there's someone in here who has been fatigued. I want to get real with you today that there is not shame in your life because your lamp went out. You just need to add more oil. There is nothing wrong with a lamp that has no oil. It will still function. It will still light. You just have to put more oil in it. And if you are feeling empty, if you're feeling discouraged, you just need to have a minute with the Lord Almighty. You just need to have a place in prayer with him where you are filled up again and your lamp is full and you can walk into the darkness with confidence that you have everything you need in life. Amen, somebody. Would you stand with me today? I hope this empowers you to walk in all that you do. The difference maker was the oil in their life. They were all prepared up to a point. But what made one foolish and one wise was whether they had extra oil. I don't know what your prayer life is like. I don't know how, how busy your life is. But if you're making room for Jesus, you are giving room for fresh oil in your life. You're giving room for preparation for things to come in your life. You're not just living day to day. But when you go into prayer closet or when you stop in your car over lunch hour and you're seeking the word of God or praying before you go back into work, you are opening yourself up to greater reservoirs of oil and anointing from God. You don't need another cute sermon or a church filled with all kinds of other things this Christmas. We need to focus our eyes on Jesus and we need to focus our eyes on Holy Ghost oil, a praise team that has anointing, a preacher that preaches with anointing, people that come and they have been praying during the week, not just on Sunday at church, but praying and seeking the Lord during the week. The only difference between the foolish and the wise was the oil management in their life. Sometimes we come in here and we have so many things weighing us down. Maybe we've mismanaged some things in our life. I'm not saying this to anybody, but maybe you can do a self-introspection or just inspect your life for a minute and know that God is good and he will help you out of every situation that you're in. But he wants us to begin to manage areas of our life. If it's not a major situation or a physical impairment, if you were barely paying your bills five years ago and you haven't and you've been walking in the light, you shouldn't be just barely paying your bills today. God should help you manage the oil reservoirs of your life. You should be able to walk into newness of things and, and opportunities that God opens and, and doorways that God makes way for you. God is going to do that. Unless he calls you to a place of wilderness, God will put oil in your life if you listen to him and you will not be in a place of desperation. Desperate Christians are not found in the scripture. Jesus does not speak anywhere in the Bible about being desperate or being destitute. He always had a purpose. There was always a goal in mind and he had a goal and he had a task to do and he knew what it was even in the garden in the darkest moment of his life. He said, Father, let this cup pass from me. 
he was willing to say, but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And I pray somebody in here can do that today. Do you have extra oil in your life? Do you need a new touch of God in your life? Do you need to pray, Lord, I've been running on my will, forgive me. I, I just want you, Lord Jesus. I don't want to have desperate measures and desperate moments in my life. I want to live in the overflow of anointing and blessing. And when the flame begins to flicker, the wise ones refill the lamp in their life. If there's a flickering going on in your life, if there's a, a relationship that's just barely hanging in there, if there's a flame that's trying to go out, this is the answer today. It's an oil problem. It's an anointing from heaven problem. And God can handle it for you. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, today in this altar call, as we anoint people with oil symbolically, those that feel comfortable to do so, I'm having prayer in my heart for them. If there's anyone feeling empty today, Lord, I pray you minister right now because we can't do it. It's got to be your spirit that fills us. If anyone is feeling a lack of purpose, if anyone is feeling a, a, a light that's trying to be snuffed out in a relationship or even a flickering going on in a marriage that needs to be revived, God, I pray that you would just stop the winds that are adverse for just a minute and fill their lamp. Lord, I know there's storms that blow and there's difficulties in life, but through all of our life, you are the God who keeps us burning bright. So I'm asking that you step in in this moment. Would you help us, Lord Jesus, for the joy that's wanting to be snuffed out by busy schedule? Would you put the joy, the oil of joy back in their lamp today? Would you be a light, Lord Jesus, to somebody's heart today? Would you rekindle a love for you today where that fire has gone cold? You need more oil. I want to open this altar as they sing. And I want to just tell you that if you're sick in your body, we will pray for you. We will pray and we'll anoint the, with the prayer of faith. And the Bible says, anoint with oil and pray their prayer of faith. And God will raise them up. If you need fresh oil, find a place to pray. I don't know if it's where you are or where it's at in this room, but just take a minute alone with God. In this dark place, be a light. I want to leave this church today. Lit a blaze for Jesus. Do we have enough light? That's not the best question. The question is, do we have enough oil? Because Jesus is the light and he'll never go out. But we are limited resources and we need to be refilled with his spirit. Let's sing together. You can pray anywhere in this room with your heads bowed, eyes closed if you want to, if you want to walk and pray, if you want to come forward and respond to the word of God. We offer all of that today, every single option, whatever you need. If you need to find a corner and just talk to the Lord alone, do that right now. 
and say, Lord, fill my life. I've, I've given a lot already in this holiday season. Amazingly, I've put out so much for the family already, and I'm just feeling a little empty right now. Between this gap between Christmas and Thanksgiving, would you just come and fill my heart and my life? Would you touch me right now, and would you help me? I've been walking a lonely, dark road for too long, and I give myself to the light today. I ask you to touch me. I ask you to minister in my family. I ask you to move so that my highest praise can be lifted up in the middle of a moment. Somewhere in this night, I'm going to be a light, Jesus. Somewhere in this dark moment, whether it's family or friend, if somebody needs a prayer right now, would you pray over them? If you know a loved one that needs light in their life, that they're walking in some darkness, why don't you put them in your mind right now and just pray for them right now. Jesus, you know who needs you. I pray for Stephen Ferguson, God. I pray for my friend who's dealing with a brain tumor right now. Would you just heal his body? Would you send fresh oil to a hospital room? Would you send an angel to minister to a friend or a need? that I am aware of and the ones that I don't know of, would you just let me be a light? Help me to run into somebody who needs some fresh oil. And I've, as I've prepared, let me share. 